All right, we're back for another episode of the DJ for Party of One podcast. And I would like to thank you for joining me in advance because I know that there are a lot of listening options. You could be listening to actual music right now. There's another podcast somewhere where someone has the big budget to put it in and have like a whole video with guests and all of that stuff. But we are the underdogs of the podcast world over here. But hey, we're still here. We're still in this. So thank you for listening. If you're a fan of music, you will get something out of every episode. Largely, largely R&B and hip hop. But eventually we take a path down into some of my favorite gospel artists, albums, same thing with pop. It it comes up in different places, but for the most part, the DJ for Party of One is a DJ that is tending to the R&B and hip-hop sector and also a lot of indie artists that eventually will rise up as notable artists to me in this podcast. And it's interesting when I think about how we have the ability to listen to a lot of the indie artists and everything now. And I will say that the 90s even creates that era where the representation becomes a lot wider than it was in the 80s in the first season. That That's one of the main things that I will notice as I transition from talking about the 80s to the 90s is just that there was a greater representation across the map because when we look at the 80s especially with hip-hop we're talking about an east coast west coast type thing and that became the narrative for a large part of that decade. There really wasn't a lot of moving around, a lot of moving parts where you were getting the South represented the way it would be later with Outkast and Goody Mob, Organized Noise and JD and everything that he was doing in the South with So So Deaf. But even in R&B, you still have more representation, more people that are coming out of areas that you just wouldn't have tapped into in the 80s. High Five, for example, Waco, Texas. What? Yeah, you you weren't getting that kind of artist development or the artist They just weren't coming out of those places, possibly in the 80s. I I don't I could be wrong. I'd have to go back and do some serious research, but I just don't think it was happening like that. But this is a Cliff Notes version, not an all comprehensive talk of every artist that made it big in the 90s, but. If anybody is ever asking, if they didn't grow up in the 90s and they're like, well, why are they always talking about 
this 90s R&B, this hip-hop, this of the 90s. Why, why, why is that the conversation? And one thing I can tell you right now is that it will always be a conversation about 90s hip-hop and R&B because right now, a large majority of those artists are still influencing people that are making music currently today in 2024. Many of those artists are still making music themselves. Some of them are known in a large capacity for just being who they are. Like they've stopped making music or they don't make music as often as they used to. And they're still relevant. Snoop, Jay-Z, you know these people. And they were making debut albums in the 90s. So right there, that, that tells you something about the decade. But when we look at early 90s, when we transition over into the early 90s, we already know the heavy hitters, Prince, Whitney, Michael, Janet, they're transitioning into another decade and they're bringing another sound with them. With Michael, you have him working almost exclusively at one point with Teddy Riley. So you're getting that new Jack Swing sound that Teddy was bringing in the late 80s. Prince decides to disband literally the revolution and he picks up with new power generation. So he has a totally different sound by the time we get into the 90s. R. Kelly is remixing everything that everybody did. Janet gets a remix. New artists that are being developed under his umbrella, Aaliyah, she gets a remix. And other things that will be addressed in other episodes. But so many, so many artists are calling on R. Kelly for his writing. Isley Brothers get connected to him. And they start to make songs together. All of this happens in the course of one decade. It's, it's hard to believe. But. New Edition. As great as N.E. Heartbreak was. At the end of the 80s. They decide to go in different directions. One of the biggest songs that is still. Something that you put it on now. And that party just comes alive. And that song was all the way back to 1990, the beginning of the decade. Poison, Belle Bill DeVoe, Johnny Gill, his debut album drops 1990. Ralph is doing his own thing as well. And Bobby is back in the 90s with a second album. Well, no, that's the third. I got a king of stage first. Don't be cruel second. And we're on the third album, which is just Bobby. And he's working with Teddy Riley as well. So you're getting more of the New Jack Swing sound. So yeah, all of this is happening at such a rapid pace. 
that it almost seems crazy that like this much differentiation. Am I saying that word correctly? It is happening. Brandy and 94 debut album. Cousin to Snoop who I don't think I knew that while they were coming up. That was only like later some years ago that I learned that they were related. But Snoop debut album. Dr. Dre goes solo in the 90s. All of this is spreading in a place where the East and the West Coast, they still have a dominant time in it, but they're not the only ones that are wrapped up in it anymore because Babyface, as much songwriting as he did for others, he goes a step farther with L.A. and they create LaFace. And now they're doing more than just songwriting. You heard Babyface writing songs for himself. He was in part of the deal and they were writing some songwriting was going on there. He wrote for Bobby Brown. But now you start to have another Babyface that is in artist development mode. And this is the come up from the South, the New Atlanta or I would say Atlanta, which they call at one time New York, Big Apple of the South. And it was starting to buzz like that. And it has never stopped since it started. But you have TLC, Tony Braxton, Outcast, And really, the irony of that, kind of an outcast on the label. Because hip-hop was not even the main thing. But you get outcasts. A rap group, a hip-hop group on a largely R&B label. Ironic, I know. The name is very befitting. But this is showing you now that we're not just, oh, if you got to get a record deal, you got to go to New York. Or if you're in hip-hop, you got to be part of a East or West Coast to have your name out there. Nope. They were making waves. And this is what I would call the floodgate of 90s hip hop and R&B. That, that's the only way I could really explain it is that the doors were opened in a way that I had never, never dreamed of or never would have witnessed this happening in the 80s. And the way that it unfolded in the 90s. Because you also have a debut album from Usher. Who is doing the Super Bowl halftime show. Still relevant right now. You have. A. a I don't even know what you would call it. Because Chattanooga. Goes up to New York. Hangs out with Diddy. And I know Diddy, his name now is is really tarnished in a crazy way. But that that was in there. And part of that artist development of Usher, he blows up. But I feel like the time that he spent with Jermaine Dupri, when you get the Confessions album, 
you know, things are coming back south. He's bringing it back Atlanta. And even the album before that, all, all of the stuff that you have pushed into Usher gives him like a, I don't even want to say it was defined by just one area because he also worked with Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis and they're out of Minneapolis. They're still in the 90s making hits for Janet and a lot of other artists as well. So you have some artists that are not pigeonholed or even in a place where they're representative of just one era. But on contrast, you have someone like Monica that definitely to me, the connection that she had with Atlanta and Georgia and the South in general is just is there. TLC, you have your girl groups that are coming up and you have more and more of them that are coming along and they they blossom very well in the 90s because you have Jade, En Vogue, Brownstone, so many others that I'm probably, the good girls, they were out there for a second. But different pockets of different areas, different states. No more just East, West Coast. Virginia comes up. Timberland is producing for Jodeci very early on before he makes his leap into production with Missy and Genuine and Aaliyah. Still all happening in the 90s. Debut album, Aaliyah, the 90s. But she was connected with R. Kelly then. But second album, which I always thought was the best of the best, the one in a million, Timberland produced. And from that, there is a whole world of Virginia that is coming out. Eventually, we get Pharrell that is coming into place. But when Timberland, Super Friends, when all that connects, when all those dots start to connect, you realize that. This is a different sound that you would have not gotten from New York or you wouldn't have gotten that from the West Coast. So he's bringing something new to the table that we were not even expecting. And that just continues because Bad Boy comes back into the picture or, or I say New York comes back into the picture and they have their whole arsenal of artists. Mace, Biggie, Faith, Lil' Kim, 112. A lot is happening. Black Rob. A lot is happening where they're bringing it back to New York at some point. But then you have Tupac by way of Baltimore, New York. Hops on the West Coast after he spends some time in prison. Another time that he was in prison. Hops out there, death row, shook, all eyes. And all eyes really were on him when that album dropped. But he starts debut album as well, early 90s. Nas, Illmatic, debut album, early 90s. Tribe Called Quest, groundbreaking albums, 90s. West Coast, you can go to your B-Boy stance. And you've got 
artists like Souls of Mischief, which I heard of Rick Rubin and Andre 3000 interview recently. And it just would have never crossed my mind that Andre 3000 was influenced by Souls of Mischief. And he was saying that he had it where he wanted to kind of sound like what they were sounding like at one time in his early, early stages. This would have been the debut album with him and Big Boy. I didn't really see it. I'd have to go back and really look at that because I was a fan of Souls of Mischief. And that group, they were the headline. But once they come out, you find that there's even more. You got Casual. A-plus, I think he does a solo album eventually. The Hieroglyphics crew is coming out of the West Coast. And you have people that are making music that's not gangster rap. You have Ice Cube's cousin, Delta Funk Homo Sapien. Can't even get it out. <laughs> but yeah, you, you have artists like that that are against the grain of what we had typically known the East Coast, the West Coast to be for. You have Busta Rhymes that is breaking out with a style completely of his own because now he's away from leaders of the new school. And you have a lot of groups, sub pocket type groups that are, you might not, if you weren't connected to the hip hop scene like that, you may have missed Black Moon or you may have missed KMD. And maybe you don't know him the way you know, like a red man or a naughty by nature or Big Daddy Kane, who was still doing stuff. Rock him, Slick Rick. You may not know those as well, but they had some hits. So. So much expansion. And that's what I'm saying when I'm saying like the floodgates, I feel like that door was opening wider where you had artists that would have normally just been called underground artists that were making a huge come up. So the South eventually gets outcast around 94, 95. You start having that to come into place. And that is just like I mentioned, hieroglyphics for the West Coast. Organized noise gives you outcast. Gives you Goody Mob. Gives you Cool Breeze. Gives you Witch Doctor. And so you have all of this stuff that's just evolving, that's just brewing. And that's just a fraction of Atlanta because JD also has a rise with artists that he is putting to the forefront. Escape is is out there Chris Krause is older now but they're still out there and you have Monica out there that is getting tracks that are produced by JD and other artists as well and JD is doing his own solo art album too so you you just have like so much stuff that's coming from everywhere and then you have artists that are connecting the east west south all that stuff is connecting. The South is coming up in a different way. You having cash money. You've got your Master P No Limit Soldiers in the South. On the other end, that's closer to the West, you've got Underground Kings 
early 90s when I was in high school. They were still doing their thing when I was in college. Ghetto boys, early years of high school. And it was just crazy. Scarface eventually goes solo. So does Willie D. But Scarface, to me, I think that I, I was able to see his career unfold in a larger way where there were just more albums that were coming from him as a solo artist. Back to West Coast, E-40, Too Short, Spice One. So, again, everybody kind of had some type of representation. Chicago, Common, before we get Kanye, Common was holding it down for a long time in Chicago. The Roots, coming out of Philly. You get the neo-soul sound of Badu. Very early, Jay Dilla is coming into the scene. And we also have Music Soul Child. Even Will Smith is showing back up and coming up with a term like Jiggy, which actually becomes a dictionary word that we are using. Still, sometimes I hear it pop up today, but he comes back and he has Nas doing some writing for him. And so much is happening. So much is unfolding that. It's hard to wrap my mind around how so many different sounds were coming into place. Oh, and Beyonce. Now, she wasn't solo at this point. She was she was still with Destiny's Child. But Beyonce is a product of 90s R&B, the Fugees. And we eventually have Lauryn Hill with the solo groundbreaking miseducation of Lauryn Hill album. Wyclef, Prize, they had solo albums as well. So all of this is happening. All of this is unfolding. Tony Braxton, did I mention Tony LaFace? She has a very huge career in the 90s. So with all of this happening, the neo-soul movement taking off and it it floats a little bit into um, beyond 2000. But we have D'Angelo as early as like 95. So that's already taken off. Badu elevates that even more. Music Soul Child. Everybody's coming in there with that that type of sound. But all of this spans in the course of 10 years Maxwell, he comes out and he has his own sound that we just weren't expecting this type of. I I wouldn't have ever expected this amount of. Different sounds in the course of a decade, because we just got. The artists that were kind of you had your 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 main songwriters Jamin Lewis, LaFace, Daryl Simmons, and and Babyface there. And they were making a lot of the hits. And Whitney had her own people. Patty had her own people in there with, with songwriting. I want to say Nero Michael Walden. I don't know if I'm even pronouncing his name right, but I know he was in there with some songwriting. 
Quincy Jones early on doing some songwriting. Michael was writing some of his own stuff in the early 80s, late 70 off the wall album. Rod Temperton was in place for all of that. But everybody was just like, hey, I'm going to go. I'm going to get out here. I'm going to do this. I got a different sound and I don't care. <laughs> that's 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 what I felt like it was sounding like people were like, I'm not trying to sound like whatever was popular, whatever I listened to. Yeah, I can be influenced by it, but I still have my own spin that I want to add to that. And that's what I think that I like so much about 90s when they they come to that fork in the road where they're like, you know, I can just emulate exactly what I have been influenced by or I can take what I've been influenced by and I can add something new to that. In relation to that, I think hip hop plays a huge part, even though I don't feel like they're acknowledged for it as much because we hear about neo soul movement and, you know, you hear your D'Angelo, which often he was compared to Marvin Gaye as far as like his sound, his development, the way he would overlay like some vocals or whatever. When you hear Brandy and the way that people talk about how Brandy has influenced a lot of the music that they do now. But when you hear about all of these artists, one thing that I can say is even for the ones that brought hip hop to the mainstream, you have others that were sampling and they were bringing soul music long before I, I, just my feeling. They were bringing the soul music in place and you had an audience for that RZA with the beats. And the old school samples that he had before Kanye started chopping them up and speeding them up. Rizzo was already in place where he was doing that. So he influenced another generation that would come 2000 and beyond when it came to sampling. And you still had those producers, DJ Premier for um, Gangstar, Pete Rock, CL Smooth. Both of them would go on to produce some heavy, heavy hip-hop tracks, jazz was added to the element, and I wasn't even aware that that it would be such a huge influence where jazz would get sample like that with the Roots, Tribe Called Quest. So, yeah, that's your Cliff Notes version. I tried to condense it, tried not to get too carried away, but yeah, the 90s, if anybody ever is asking you, why so much talk about the 90s? Why are people going on and on about the 90s? I don't understand it. It doesn't make sense. Play this episode for them. Maybe they'll get just a slight feel of what it was like to grow up in the 90s, what it was like to experience the 90s, and what people were able to be influenced by even today just by listening to the artists that were part of that decade. So there you go. DJ for Party of One signing out. Come back. A lot of more albums, 
artists, songs that I want to get into some of my favorites for the 90s. So there you have it. That, that's my thought on the floodgate that happened when things became mainstream because now we're getting platinum artists, platinum hip hop artists. I know the measuring stick for a long time in the 80s was like, yo, we went gold. And that, that's nothing to sneeze at. 500,000 copies, half a million. Largely for groups that were underground and didn't get radio play when I'm talking about hip hop. But when we start to talk about platinum artists, they're going mainstream. Some of their music is crossing over. That's a big deal. And a lot of that happened with really urban, urban heavy hitter, not the pop artist. But urban artists that were crossing over into mainstream charts. That's what the 90 is representative of. So there you go.